0: Good evening, everyone. You know, I'm I'm 48 years old. And up to this point, I've been very blessed to have lived roughly half my life in North Dakota and half my life in Colorado. And you know what I've come to realize? Uh, North Dakota is God's front yard. And Colorado's God's backyard. (laughs) You know this is the first full summer and fall and fall I've been able to spend in North Dakota for over 20 years and I absolutely love love it. Um, I'm really I'm realizing again just how beautiful our state is. You know I've been driving the backcountry roads on my motorcycle as much as I can this summer and fall taking in the beauty you know, some people, the, the flatness of our land here is unappealing and boring. You know, I forget just, but not for me, and, and I forget just how, how much and how far I can see as I gaze at countryside. Thousands and thousands of acres of perfectly planted crops and dozens and dozens of farms as I, you know, as I scan the horizon. You know, it seems like there's no end to how far I can see in, in the Red River Valley here especially, and, and I love it. That's why North Dakota is God's front yard. And then there's the beauty of Colorado. You know, I was blessed to have been able to live deep in the heart of the Colorado mountains for five years, surrounded by God's magnificent creations especially in the fall, my favorite time of the year. Going on hikes to discover incredible views of mountain lakes surrounded by breathtaking mountain peaks and painted with amazing fall colors from the trees. Yeah, Colorado is God's backyard. You know, it was in Colorado where God opened my eyes my ears and my heart to his calling of me to the priesthood. I think there's something about being on a mountain that that makes you feel closer to God. There's a holiness, you know, there's an, an intimacy you don't find elsewhere if you open your mind and heart to this magnificence of God. And this is something we hear often in the Bible there's a theme of ascending mountains. You know, in Scripture, the mountain is usually a place of encounter with God. You know, think about the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis. You know, we don't usually imagine it as being on a mountain, but we are told that, that rivers all flowed from the Garden of Eden, which implies it was on a height above everything else it's a place of intimacy you know that mountaintop it's something special with God remember Moses you know he ascended the mountain to converse with God and receive the Ten Commandments in the New Testament in the Gospels we see Jesus going up a mountain many times He gives the greatest sermon ever preached on a mountain, aptly called the the Sermon on the Mount. At the Transfiguration, Jesus takes Peter and James and John up a mountain and reveals to them his divinity. There are other times when Jesus goes up a mountain to simply be with his Father, just to go be in a place of prayer. A place of intimacy for him and his disciples so the mountains carry this imagery throughout scripture being that place of intimacy with God that we are that we are invited to also and this theme it, it comes up in this this weekend in our first reading from Isaiah I urge you to go back and read that first reading The prophet is quoting this line over and over saying on this mountain the Lord of hosts will provide for all peoples. On this mountain he will destroy the veil that veils all peoples. And the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain, he says. Brothers and sisters, this is an invitation and and a reminder for us that our ultimate end our purpose for being created is to be with God God will provide God is going to bless us in an in incredible abundance so as Christians you know we can enter into this spirituality of being on the mountain simply by praying when we pray and come to that place of being with the Lord heart to heart face-to-face, in some ways we are on the mountain. Even if we are in the depths of despair, loneliness, or sadness, when we go to that place and ask the Lord to come be with us, he lifts us from that lowly place and takes us to be with him on the mountain. He lifts us up. You know, a verse from our first reading says, On this mountain, the Lord will destroy death forever. That line is a reminder for us that God does not desire death. God doesn't want death. It it wasn't part of his original plan for the world. Death is a consequence of sin in this fallen world. Sin and disobedience are the reasons there are suffering in this world. But it wasn't part of his original plan. God gave us an eternal soul for a reason. We are made to live forever. And Jesus reiterates this as as he promises us eternal life. He promises that he has come to give us life and life in abundance. My friends, this is why as Christians, we, we are so committed to life. We love life, we are for life, because it is a gift from God. So as Christians, we are called to carry this truth, this ethic, to wherever we go. We are about life, we are about other people's lives. We are going to love them as a child of God, with great dignity, with great beauty, with an eternal soul made in the image of God. We celebrate all people in all stages of development. That's partly why as Christians, we must be committed to protecting the dignity and right to life for everybody. No matter what age you are, no matter what culture you are, no matter what religion you are, no matter if you are rich or poor, no matter what, and no matter if you are in the womb or if you are on your deathbed, you still have an incredible dignity and a life given to you by God. Brothers and sisters, as children of God, as disciples of Christ, we are called to carry this truth, this ethic, to wherever we go, especially in the public square in the voting booth. If you haven't heard by now, my friends, the church designates October as Respect Life Month. It's the 50th anniversary of it this year. As Catholics, we are called to cherish, defend, and protect those who are most vulnerable from the beginning of life to its end and at every point in between. During the month of October, the church asks us to reflect more deeply on the dignity of every human life. You know, I began this homily pointing out things I love about Colorado. But there's something about that state that I am utterly ashamed of. Colorado provides zero protection for our unborn children. Colorado has no restrictions on the age at which a baby can be aborted. They are one of just seven states that have no limits. Babies can be killed at any point during a pregnancy up to birth, making Colorado abortion laws even more extreme than New York and California. Every pro-life measure that makes it onto the ballot there gets majorly defeated in voting. It's sickening. It reminds me of a scathing rebuke Jesus gave the Pharisees in the Gospel of Matthew when he said, you are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. But brothers and sisters, we are not like that. We cannot be like that. We are a pro-life church in a pro-life state, and I thank God for that every day. We are about life. That child in the womb has dignity. It has rights. It has a right to live. We as Christian people have the obligation to protect the most vulnerable among us. The Lord has made life He has not made death. God did not create the culture of death. That is the work of the devil. God longs for a culture of life that we may have life and life in abundance. And my friends, there is something that I am convinced of. If we don't get life right then we will get nothing right in our country and our world. It is the hinge to make all things rightly ordered. So much of the world is in chaos and on fire right now. Just look at what's happening in Israel right now. Hamas, those genocidal anti-Semitic baby murdering terrorists are carrying out the works of the devil. This is what what it ultimately leads to when a society and culture cares nothing about the sanctity of life. And you know, brothers and sisters, the Latin Catholic Patriarch of Jerusalem and the bishops of the United States have called on the world to join together for a day of prayer and fasting this coming Tuesday, October 17th, for peace and reconciliation in the Holy Land. Tuesdays just happen to be the day that we offer adoration all day long at St. Michael's. 13 hours from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. And I urge you to please fast and stop, stop by in the church to pray that day. You know, Jesus said in the Gospels that there are some evils in the world that can only be conquered by intense prayer. And fasting. And this is one of those evils, my friends. Our Jewish brothers and sisters of Almighty God need our help now in prayer. So let us humbly pray that that the love and peace of Jesus comfort all who are living with the atrocities of the pure evil occurring. May his perpetual light shine within the hearts of those who are afraid those who are grieving, and all those who still suffer from the the wrath of unthinkable darkness that has plagued their lands. May all take comfort in knowing that God stands beside them through this, while our prayers are lifted up for a speedy end to all afflicted in this war.